Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Coming up on the payoff. This uh, next guest has been in my life for 35 years, 36 I am unfortunately that old, and I loved baseball as a kid. Calvin Chiraldi was a relief pitcher in the major leagues. He started out as a starting pitcher. His book, The Arena, uh, which is all related to the man in the arena, the Theodore Roosevelt quote. I mean, this is a guy who is minding his business and 40, 35 years later still getting emails about the, the World Series in 1986. And we all know crazy, rabid sports fans. I'm from Philadelphia, but his take on being on the other side of that and how as a sensitive alcoholic, he would open the emails and read them. Uh, and now he hits delete. And uh, this is a conversation you don't want to delete. You want to listen to this. Uh, at times, hang in there. I get a little selfish. Uh, we, talk, <laughs> we talk some sports. So just hang in there because uh, the message is unbelievable and he's an inspiring, inspiring dude. But first, let's get some inspiration from California, Kevin Souza. Hey, what's going on? Calvin, what's up, man? Oh, just sitting in my car with AC running. <laughs> I know in, te- in Texas, in the you know, it's it's October, but that doesn't mean it's fall, right? No, there, there's no fall here. It's humid as hell outside right now. So right now it's me uh, and Mike. Mike, say hi. Can you hear you? How's it going? I, I like for him to talk so it's not too creepy. He's not just back there <laughs> lurking. <laughs> but, uh, Calvin, man, I really appreciate you doing this. Oh, no problem. All right, so, Calvin Chiraldi, what is your sobriety date? March 7th, 2019. Okay, and that was not your first your first crack at this thing, right? It was not. Uh, I had a crack at a, in uh, like 2015, or actually 2014, that lasted 99 days, and that was uh, I I I was I wasn't ready to do that then. Um, so it, it, it didn't, it didn't take. That's what I was the same way. I, I, I tried to get sober when I was like 27 and I just wasn't ready. You know, luckily I didn't go back out and die cause that's what can happen. But, uh, oh, yeah. I, I wasn't ready. And I love, I, first of all, the book is called the arena. Uh, yeah. and, and it is, it is about your life and it is compelling. And it is, I, I, I'm a sports guy. Of course, I knew you back when we'll get into your career. Um, obviously, I love to talk about your sobriety uh, and your road to recovery. You said 99 uh, days, that number. I remember in the book, you just put it, and it's so alcoholic. You put it so well. You're like, I don't even remember what it was that made me drink again on that 99th day. You're like, the mail could have been late, whatever. But at that point, it just didn't take much for you. It, it took nothing. Um, yeah. I, 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 was, I, was, I, I was doing my... my um, you know, my group stuff, but I wasn't doing the group stuff. I was just going to, uh, 
meetings and stuff, I was basically white knuckling it. And, and that, that's not, I, I, I'm not the kind that, that can, that can do that. And so, you know, like I said, you know, when we're drinking it, you know, we're drinking to celebrate. We're drinking because we're pissed off. We're drinking because the freaking sun came up. We're drinking because the moon's up, um, whatever. And that, you know, that day was just, that was the end of it. I just started, you know, it started, it started with, well, it started with one that ended up a lot more than one. So, you know, that's just the way we are. Yeah. Um, we can't stop. And it goes on for a couple of years until you finally get sober in 2019. Before we get to the recovery and the career, I want to go backwards. So you grew up in Austin. And you and you said uh, you, you said you were you weren't really an outgoing uh, an outgoing young guy. Uh, never. Um, I was uh, shy. Um, I was I was I was shy around people. I was brash on the athletic field. And that's what we talk uh, about. You t- you talk in your book about having that competitive spirit that was fueled kind of by your father. Talk about right. that relationship a little bit. Um, he was my idol. Um, it was like, I, you know, cause I knew he was, a, he was a, he was a, a, a college basketball player, college track. Um, and that, you know, you always, you idolize your dad and I, I did that and it just seemed like, uh, nothing, nothing I did was, was good enough. Um, I don't know. I don't think that was the case, but that's what it felt like. That I, you know, I, I did everything to try to get the the approval, and and it only really came one time. What for, one time? For, uh, the state the state championship in baseball. Um, I, I would remember sitting on the fence, and after the game was over with, and. Um, he came up and, and he shook my hand and he said, you did a good job today. And I can, I will never forget that. And I think I kept trying to get that feeling again. And, you know, it, it just, um, it never, never came again. Was there alcoholism in your family? I, I'm, I'm, my dad was an alcoholic, but he never, he never said he was. Um, I, I, I believe that, um, I don't know if, it's, I, I don't know if it's genetic or what I don't, you know, I, I have a problem with genetics and all that kind of stuff that you can be, cause once, I, I think once your genes are there, they're there, but you know, um, growing up, it was, it was, you know, I started with, you know, walking around, dad's got a beer open and I take a trip when I'm little. Um, that's how I. You know, that's how I start. I, yeah, I guess I got the the flavor for 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 beer that way. I don't know. Um, it's, it's an acquired taste. Uh, <laughs> I acquired it. For, I acquired it pretty dang early, uh, just by just by taking that sip of that beer when I when I was little. You know, I could relate a lot to what you said, dude. Like, uh, I. Y- I, we, we met briefly after, after you got a chance to speak at a meeting in, in Austin and, and, you know, I'm a tall guy like you and I was, I was, I was skinny. Uh, I was awkward. And, uh, so socially it was, it was difficult for me to like, f- at least feel like I fit, I fit in. Um, yeah. and, uh, 
you know, I was an athlete and I wasn't quite the athlete. You were not even close. I shouldn't say quite, but I was, I was an athlete and, and I started to hang my head on that, but I was awkward until at least socially until I started to drink. Was that the case for you or were you so good at sports that that was like your conduit socially? That was my, that was my, my, that was my end. Uh, athletics was my end. Um, alcohol was my personality, I guess, because it allowed me, I, I don't, I, I don't like talking to people. Um, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very guarded in my, in my conversations or I was, I, I was very guarded in my, in my conversations and alcohol just, uh, you know, it, it loosens the tongue and, and I was able to, with that, with, with alcohol, I was able to hold conversations and, and, and not get nervous or, or whatever it is, distracted. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, it, it, it loosened the lips quite a bit. And you were a, a phenomenal athlete. You went to Westlake. That's where Drew Brees went. Uh, Sam Ellinger, uh, back in the day, uh, Kelly Gruber played baseball with you there. He played in the major leagues right. for a while. You, ha- you talk about in your, in your book that having that competitive fire, you know, that desire, that overall desire to win. Where did that come from? I think it came from, from my dad. Uh, try, I mean, growing up trying to beat my dad, uh, you know, you know what you what you hear today is is everybody gets a trophy kind of thing. That <laughs> to me that is that is that that, that that's wrong. Um, my dad never let me win at anything, and it was always trying to beat him at ping pong, at pool, at basketball, at whatever whatever we did competitively against each other. I was I had to win. Um, and I, and, and, and I think that's where it came from. Cause I did the same thing with my son and he is very competitive. I didn't let him win at anything. So the first time he won something, he won, he won a, a, a rifle shooting contest and he kept the, the, uh, the, uh, target and he gave it to me as a Christmas present. Wow. He had it, Frank gave it to me as a Christmas present because that's the first time he beat me at something. So I think, I think that's what fueled me to to have that desire to I mean the people say they hate to they hate to lose everybody hates to lose but I hate I I I, I hate losing more than I like winning and and that goes into your career and into your story of, of sobriety you said that your dad kind of welding winning into your soul welded winning into your soul uh to. yeah you it was, it was, yeah go ahead no, I mean that's just that's quite the way to put it. I mean that's that's intense. Well, it's 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 it, it, because it, you're looking for his approval and 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 trying to beat him at something. And and the thing about it is, is not giving up. You want to, you know, he, he he knocks you down once, he freaking gets your ass back up, and you go right after him again. He knocks your ass down again, and you go right back after him. What happens today is kids get knocked down and they freaking quit. And I, I just, I refused. I, I had to beat him at what, you know, at ping pong. Like, like, well, and then you the mentioned book. in the book, I'll cut you off. Cause I don't want to forget you beat his ass in ping pong and he never plays you again and doesn't even say congratulations. No. And, and it's like, okay. Cause he knew he couldn't beat me then. 
that that was the thing. It was like that. Like, like, I heard it to He he quit. He he said, "Okay, you, you you've got this one now. Move on. Move on to something else." So you ex- you experienced great success, right? Like uh, uh, playing eventually, right against him. You said that was the most exhilarating moment uh, at oh, the yeah. time, and you'll you'll never forget it. You get into you get into college. You go to UT. You're playing at UT Austin in your backyard. What's the drinking like at that point? Um, pretty high. I mean, because I, I, I it was you know at 14 I was six foot two and I had some facial hair and drinking age was 18, so I was buying. I was able to go in and buy in high school at my sophomore year um, at a store. Um, so at UT, you know, it just, it, it, you know, we stayed in the dorms our freshman year and then we moved into apartments and it just, you know, it was, it was, it was in our refrigerator all the time. What, what, so, you, you played, by the way, on your team. It was you, Roger Clemens, Spike Owen was on your team. Yeah, Mike Capel, Kirk Killingsworth. You know, we we were freaking good. You guys were loaded. And uh, yeah. you, you go to the College World Series, and this is the beginning of, you know, when you you talk about, and your book's called The Arena, and it's it's based off, you know, the man in the arena. And we'll get to right. that and, and how that weaves into your life and how that weaves into your sobriety and, and who you've become today. But, you know, you get you get to college – and you start to experience failure for the first time because that's what happens when you're in the arena. You don't you don't win all the time. You start to experience um, heartache. And and one of the things, a, a major moment that you conveyed in the book and that jumped out at me is your guys are playing Wichita State in the College World Series, and it's the third inning and a pitch gets away from you. And and w- what exactly happens? What. In that instance, it was it was I was trying to go inside with a fastball. We were we were ahead, and and it got away from me, and it ended up hitting uh, Kevin Penner in the in the you know in the in the face, and you know he's laying there on the ground and not moving, and you know the the, the thoughts that run through your mind, you know, you almost killed a guy here, and you know it's just like it's unnerving, and and the the time. You know, it was a good 10, 15 minutes. And then you resume the game and it's like, you don't, you didn't have the, you don't have the fire. The fire's not there that you had when the game started just because of, of the circumstances that happened. And then I got my ass kicked. And I, that was something I wasn't used to, used to having. And you, it didn't happen very often. When you guys and when when that happens, or do you notice at the time you guys end up losing the game? You, you know, you don't win that College World Series. When that happens, that off season, or, or do you notice any 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 more? The drinking elevates a little bit, or do you notice you're using it differently? Um, I think I, I didn't notice that I was using it differently. Um, I it was it still it still back then it was it was it was for fun. Um, it was, it was, I never really drank to get drunk. It was, it was, I drank to, um, to relax, to forget something, to, um, just, you know, it's just to fucking breathe. Yeah. To breathe. And, 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 you know, that, 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 I think that's kind of like the hook that alcohol has is, is 
the feeling that you get when you're doing it, like at that age, it's just like, okay, I can do this, and it, and it will release, it will relieve the pain. It will, it will, it will let me, it'll let me breathe. And then if you keep doing that, it's like, it's like, it's like taking pills. That okay, you start off at 100 milligrams uh, of something, and then by the time you're 20 years later, you're at freaking 500 milligrams just to keep the same feeling. You know, it's it's it, alcohol is the same way. It, it, it just takes more and more to get that feeling and then then it's got you it's got you where you, you gotta have it. Yeah, it's a progressive disease. Right. And 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 that's what you know that you know they were doing it for fifty years, forty five years. It's a long ass time to be a drunk. <laughs> I'll tell you, you you didn't have it easy though, Calvin, because you showed great resolve. You lose the College World Series in 82, but you come back and you kick ass and you win the College World Series in 83. You have a fantastic senior year. Did you feel like, was that esteem building for you as from a mental perspective? Like, hey, I've I, I bounced back. Yeah. Because, I mean, that, that, that's kind of like the whole, that's, that, that, that's kind of like my progression through through life now that I now that I can look back. Although, you know, winning the, winning the College World Series, that's, that, that that's all great, but like, you, like the way the way it happens. Okay, you, you, we won the College World Series. I got a week and a half to celebrate, and then I'm off to, to a job, uh, baseball. You get drafted, and then you go go somewhere else, and then you go to a place where nobody really gives a shit about what you just done. Yeah, and and so back now you're back to being a freshman. <laughs> Essentially, you're being a freshman in, in, in the minor league, and you got to start all over again. Where'd you put? So you get drafted by the Mets. You go to what, like Port St. Lucie for spring training, and then where did you go? No, no, no. We were that was way, we go, uh, way back then. We're going to St. Pete. Oh, you're going to St. Pete? Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're in St. We're in St. Pete. Actually, I went to I went to Jackson. I went to Double A out of college. Okay. And and didn't fare very well, and then went down to Lynchburg and played on the best the best minor league team probably ever. Um, we, we won more games that, that year in Lynchburg. We won Lynchburg won more games than anybody in baseball, including in the major league. We had, we won 99 games Wow! out of 140. And we had, we had five, five pitchers from that team. The next year we're in the big league. Who are some of the pitchers? Yeah. Dwight Gooden, myself, Wes Gardner, Jay Tibbs, and Jeff Bettendorf. I got I, I, I to ask, what was it like to play with Doc Gooden at that age? He was amazing. It was, it was I mean, cause at that time he was 18, 19? Uh, yeah, 19 or 18. He was nine, I think he was 19, but he got to the big league, so maybe he was 18. He was 18. It, it, watching him throw, it, it, was, it, was, it was a man among boys. It was, he was, he was awesome and, and, and a tremendous individual. Just a great, humble uh, kid. He was awesome. And so, and well, you were pretty good too. So you you end up getting you go up to the big league club with the with the Mets. What's what's the drinking like along along the time in the minor uh, leagues and, and yeah, it's 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 all the time. Um, Explain uh, to people who don't know Calvin at that point in time because it's so much different now in sports. When you would finish a game, like what 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 happens in the locker room? Like what is the culture like? It, they're they're okay. When I first my I, I made it to the major leagues in '84, and when you walk into the major major league locker room, 
they have a separate room that 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 is the, the the food room or whatever. There's there's a cooler there's there's a cooler that has Coke, like the the Coca Cola coolers. There's two coolers that have beer. There is uh, a candy rack like you see at a grocery store. There's two tables. One has pastries and and cakes and and then the other one has uh, they have food brought in after after the game because it's you know it's eleven o'clock, ten or eleven o'clock at night, so they they feed you after a game, and you know it's free. <laughs> uh, free, free is really good, um, and all you can freaking drink, all you can eat. I put on I put on my I was up, in, I was a September call up in '84, and I put on eighteen pounds in a month. <laughs> It, you know, I, I'm I'm I like free, free good. And and, and your the, the drinking obviously d- picks up with your career picking up. How is the how is the pressure affecting you and the anxiety? You know, your first couple years playing in New York, and you're with a team yeah. as they continue to rise up the ranks, and, and of course they're going to become a historic team. Well, that that and and I was the thirty for thirty that was on. Yeah, it was awesome. The plane rides were just. It, it, and that's you know it's not it's not just the mess. I mean, granted, not everybody destroys the plane, but the plane rides are you know it's it's whatever you want to drink. It's sitting in the back playing cards. Um, it's it's drinking until you get to the hotel. I mean, especially like if you're going uh, east coast to west coast or vice versa, it's you know you're drinking until if you're going from west coast to east coast. You're drinking until you land, and that's Five, usually five or six o'clock in the morning. And they talked about it on that documentary. A lot of guys uh, were, were, were taking speed just to just to kind of to wake themselves up, or, or you know, to see the ball. One of the guys talked about it, like you'd yeah, see, to get ready. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, it is it's a grind, and I and and, and it's more so a grind for the for the everyday players. As a pitcher, did you? As really a pitcher, did you? As a pitcher, did you ever take that just kind of because it was part of the culture? I did not. I, I I did it one time um, to on a for for the uh, drive home, driving from driving from New York to to, to Mississippi. <laughs> you made it okay. And I made it fine. It was yeah. That's the only that's the only time I ever I ever uh, did any of that stuff. How so? How is how is your career going when you get to New York? Take us there. You, you spend what like two and a half years with the Mets. I was drafted in '83 and then traded after the '85 season. Okay. So, um, it's it was it, I had a great time with the Mets. I mean, I was up and down, especially in '85. Um, you know, I got a couple of times uh, I got put on the uh, well, one time I got put on the disabled list. I took a, a line drive off the toe, and it broke my toe, and that kind of you know that kind of I I, I did stuff mechanically that that. Trying to trying to trying to work through it, did did stuff mechanically that that wasn't it wasn't very good. It was it, it screwed me up a little bit. And then uh, once I got traded to Boston, that, that uh, I went to spring training and just completely stuck in spring training. My arm hurt. Um, but then you know I go to AAA and they moved me from starter to the pen, and things started to click a little bit. Um, so. 
you know, I had some success in AAA and then, you know, got called up in 86 to the Red Sox. What is, what is that like to be uh, in, in a bullpen and to know at any time they can call your number and you're, you, you have to parachute in now to a, a massive pressure situation? You know, I, 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 at the time I really liked it because I was, you know, like I said, I was successful. It's the first time I'd ever been a reliever and I was having success in AAA. And then when I first got called up, I started to have success and I was like, okay, you know, I can get used to doing this. And then, you know, it's like, I, I, I never really considered myself a reliever. Uh, I always really liked starting. I like starting the game. I like being able to prepare for the game as a reliever. You can't prepare. It's just freaking go in, balls out, balls to the wall, go, and be damned what happened. Because if you know, if you get if you get your ass kicked on one day, you you might be back in the next day, and you can't let stuff linger. Whereas if you're starting, you, you can you can analyze what went wrong, make an adjustment in, in the bullpen, and then be ready to go three days later. And as a reliever, you can't do that. It's it's ball to the wall every all the time. So how does it, does that affect the drinking at all? I mean, you, or, or, or were you just going to drink how you were going to drink? I was going to drink how I was going to drink. I mean, granted, it did help. It, it, it helped a lot just just to be able to forget what you know a, a bad outing. It, it it was great. It was great to, to just go out and say, okay, uh, you know, have twelve or fourteen beers and, and just forget about it, and here we go the next day. At any point are you thinking, because as an alcoholic, I would do the same thing, drink 12 to 14 beers or whatever I get my hands on. At any point, you're, you're a young guy too, and I think you, under, you undersell that in your book, um, but you're very young when all this is happening. And are you ever thinking like, shit, I had 15 beers last night, now I'm back on the mound playing against the Angels? Like, never. 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 That never crossed my mind. Yeah. I know, because it was like, it's, it's, you know, for some – what is it? That's not an odd reason. It's like it, 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 it's comparing myself to the next guy. You know, I'm, you know, I'm 15 beers in, and you're only a 10. Come on, pick it up. Let's go. Yeah. You know that. You know that. It, 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 it's the, I guess the competitive spirit. You know, or whatever. Like you know, but you're doing it with with beer beer cans. It's 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 crazy. Well, and the, the, the intensity gets ratcheted up, right, when you get to the 86 oh, playoffs. Yeah. At this point in time, baseball was on fire. People that are younger and don't understand this, baseball was America's pastime. Everybody was watching baseball. The Saturday uh, game of the week, uh, if there was ever a game on, you know, Monday night baseball and the playoffs, the ratings were out of control. Everybody's watching. So you get to the playoffs against the Angels, and, you know, we're, 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 we're day baseball now. It happens so infrequently. We we get lucky with the playoffs, right? Um, because it's October. But you're playing against the Angels. Tell us, you you have like a, a LeBron James type memory of of you know your savant when it comes to <laughs> your memory. Walk us through the '86, you know ALCS and the pressures of that in your role. And in my role, because like games one and two, I I I, I didn't I didn't I wasn't in. Both of them were um, lopsided, you know, one for them, one for us. And then game three, it was, it was, uh, I would, I haven't, I haven't um, pitched very much. So I go in for an inning of work and, or an inning plus, 
and end up throwing a lot more pitches than than, than need than I needed to. Um, you know, a fly ball gets stuck in the uh, gets caught in the lights, and and we don't make a play, and 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 so I end up throwing a lot more pitches than than was anticipated, and we end up we end up losing. We go to game four. Roger throws a freaking gem of a game, um, and we're up three to nothing going into the ninth. And uh, the first batter, Doug Desente, hits a home run off of him, and so now it's three to one. Uh, next guy gets a hit. Next guy gets a hit. Got runners at first and second, two out. I mean, uh, and nobody out. So they bring me in, and I give up another fly ball that that gets caught in the light. Um, one one run scores. So I got runners at second, third, nobody out. And the thing about it is, is if we lose this game, you know it's 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 over with. Nobody comes back from three to one, three one down. Yeah. I walk the next batter intentionally to load the bases, and then I strike out. Um, I, I get two consecutive strikeouts, and then I'm facing Brian Downing, and I get ahead of him one and two, and you know, Rich, our catcher, my catcher, Rich Gedman. Yeah, Rich Gedman throws down, throws down fastball, and I went, no, I'm not, I'm not going to throw this. I'm going to throw the best curveball of my life. And I shook him off, and sure enough, I freaking I tried to throw something that I'm not used to throwing, and I hit I hit him with it. That lets in the tying run, and then you know all hell's broken loose in California, and you know we don't score. We, I get. I get Reggie Jackson hits the ground ball to second base to end the inning and go back out in the 10th. Nothing happens. In the 11th inning, we don't score, come back in. And you're still pitching. I'm still pitching. This is my third inning after two after an inning plus the night before. This is my third inning. Get End up giving up a run. Uh, we lose. Um, and then we go to – and this, the game's over with at about – Probably about eleven thirty. And so, what's that night like for you? Are you are you drinking that night? Uh yeah, heavily. Okay. Um, well, I'm heavily at the ballpark, and then I'm going back, and and. So you were in the clubhouse in Anaheim, in the visitors' locker room, just just throwing them back. Yeah, after I spend, I don't know, thirty forty five minutes talking to the press, because you know the thing about it is, is you know the guys are telling me to to, to go to the um, trainer's room. Trainer's room is always a the sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah, it was a safe place where reporters couldn't go. And I said, no, you know, um, I screwed this up, so I'm going to talk to them. And by the time by the time I got back to the hotel, it was probably 12, 30, 1 o'clock. And I'm, I've got a good little buzz working, and and, and I'm sitting there and, and with my wife and, and, you know, just staring at the ceiling. And I, I pick up – pick up my Bible and, and do what I would normally do is just read a chapter and and uh, and it just so happens that it, it shows up to Romans um, five three and and that, I mean that quote is is uh, be thankful for um, your transgressions because that because through that you learn perseverance perseverance builds character and character hope and hope is what we have in the Lord and as like I'm thinking about that I'm going Okay. Uh, yeah, I just had a really big transgression tonight. What what can I learn from it? Blah blah blah. And then my phone rings, and and 
like I said at the meeting, we don't have cell phones back then. Yeah. Uh, nobody has a cell phone. It's it's the uh, it's the phone in the in the hotel room. And I know I put that on. I put a block on it uh, because every time you go on a road, you block your phone so nobody can call through because you get you get idiots that'll call and give you death threats and all this kind of stuff. So I know I had a block on my phone, but my phone rings and I pick it up and it's a um, David Jones. He's a fireman and and uh, San Francisco. And he just called, he called, he just said, uh, my name's David Jones, and I just saw what happened and watched the game and, and just wanted to, do, wanted to let you know that the guys at the fire station here uh, were all praying for you. And I went, oh, okay, thank you. And I was like, okay, um, okay, God, you're, you're talking to me here now. Uh, what, what is it you want? So I, 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 I sat on that all night, and then – Granted, not granted, but the next day we had a freaking twelve o'clock day game, uh, so it was a real short night. And you're, you're, what are you down three one? We're down three one, starting uh, going to game five, and, and they've got Mike, they've got Mike Witt on the mound, and they who's their ace, and then they they go up big on you guys. They went up, they went up five to two, and to the to the top of the ninth inning, and. Um, we get a base runner on, uh, and, and, and like, you know, <laughs> it's funny cause in the ninth, it's five to two in the ninth inning. Um, they've got all the policemen are in the dugout. The policemen are on horseback out in the bullpen. I mean, the, the shit that's being said, the shit talking is just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. The, the shit talking how? Like the, they're talking shit to you guys? Oh yeah, the cops, the fans—they're the, <laughs> all talking shit. The cops, you know? yeah, the, the, the freaking cops are talking shit. So we get a runner on, and uh, Don comes up, Baylor, and hits a home run, and so now it's five to four, and and you know we're still like, oh damn, um, you know it's you know we still got we got two outs, um, and they bring in. Richie Gedman comes up against Witt, who I think we had four hits on the day. Rick had three of them. And so they pulled they pulled Mike Witt and bring in uh, – Donnie Moore. No, they bring in Gary Lucas. Okay. Gedman because he's left-handed. And Getty was like 0 for 12 lifetime against Lucas. Well, the first pitch hits, hits Getty. So he's on first base. And they bring in Donnie Moore, and Dave Henderson comes up, and 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 you know now, and has a great at bat. Both of them, I mean, just battling their ass off, both of them. And Donnie throws a great pitch. Dave just goes down and freaking golfs it, and it's it's a freaking home run, and we're up freaking six to five, and we're in the bullpen. We're just freaking <laughs> these cops are we're 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 unmerciful to these cops. I'm telling you, I mean. We basically say, get the fuck out of our bullpen now. Uh, we got horses shitting everywhere in the bullpen. It's, it's just, it's a circus. And the stadium is dead quiet. I mean, you can hear a pin drop. Well, to the Angels' credit, they came back in the bottom of the ninth and, and scored a run to tie it. Um, nothing happens in the 10th. And then in the 11th inning, um, we scored a run. Dave Henderson hits the side fly. And it's seven to six, and they bring me in um, to start the ninth inning. 
And I was I wasn't supposed to pitch that day because I'd pitched the two previous days in a row. And is that a shock when they're like, "Hey, you're in"? You're like, "Fuck." Well, it wasn't fuck. It was like, okay, now I got now I got a chance again. Okay, I got a chance to to, to right this wrong. Not well, whatever. Yeah, you know. I got you. Uh, shot of redemption. There, there, there you go. Shot of the redemption. And I faced the same two guys that I struck out the night before to start off with. I do the I, I strike them both out. Same pitches, same count. And then Brian Downey comes up again. Um, and I have him one and two again, and I do not take off the, the, the fastball this time, and he pops it up, and the game's over with, and it, you, you just thought we won the World Series. <laughs> and so we go, We know we're going back to Boston, and we know we're going to win now. Yeah. It's like, now it's three to two. Our, our flight, our flight to, to, to back to Boston was probably similar to the Mets the one that's on the 30 for 30 only after they beat like, Houston. Oh yeah. Only we didn't, we didn't destroy a plane, uh, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was, it was a party and knowing that we were going to, you know, we got back to Boston. We knew we were going to win. And you guys take care of business in Boston. And we, we light them up at Boston. Yeah. The all new Chevy Colorado is made for more stacked with the latest in-vehicle technologies like a class-leading 11-inch diagonal center touchscreen and an extra-large wireless charging pad. Plus, it features wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto compatibility to make staying connected easy wherever your adventure takes you. Chevy Colorado, made for more. Learn more at chevrolet.com slash truck slash Colorado. Claims based on latest competitive data. And so then now, now you're going into the World Series, and this is when... You know your your alcoholism and real life and and the competitive fire they they it all collides. Um, you know, for people who don't know, you know the Mets were the best team you know in a lo- very long time, right? Their historic team had like 100, 100, 406 wins. One hundred eight. Shit. Okay, so you know you go in there and you know game six is the game everybody talks about, Calvin, right? And right. and you are you know it's one of those things like when I'm doing this, I'm like, well, I'm not so sure if I want to you know like broach that topic with them um, because, I, you know, you don't want to be a dick. That's like where you're – and there's also a fear in me asking you about it. But then I read your book, and it's the first thing you talk about. And it seems like it's been cathartic for you uh, since you've gotten sober to talk about, you know, what happened. Because at the end of the day, it's a, you're a human being. It's it's a game. But what, what came on the heels of that, you mentioned when you, you know, lost in 82 in Texas – you were able to rebound uh, to go into 83 because there wasn't a complete circus around you. But what happened right. in 86 is just a crushing blow. Right. No doubt. Um, you have a chance that, to win that, the, you have a chance to win the world series. I mean, you to be a part of it and you guys don't win. Yeah. And, 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 and like I said in the book, it's, it's, you know, I, and it took me a long time to, to, um, what is it? I'm, I'm trying to not rationalize, but to think about it, because I always, after after eighties, after the after the World Series, I took the blame, and I still take the blame. I mean, I had I had I had an O2 count on a hitter, and I did something that I I I hadn't done that I don't remember doing ever doing is giving up an O2 hit because I you know I could care less hit the backstop. And, yeah. But 
you know, just don't give up an 0-2 hit. Because, I mean, that was ingrained in, in Boston with, with the kangaroo court. If, if you gave up an 0-2 hit, it cost you it cost you $100. It cost you, if it was a double, it was 200 If it was a triple, it was 300 If it was a home run, it was 400 And if it was a grand slam, it was $500. Okay. Court. So, that's, you know, that's kind of ingrained. You don't give up an 0-2 hit. So, I don't care where the damn ball goes. Well, I did. And, 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 and for me, that is, you know, I, 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 I'm fine with that. What gets me is the, the narrative that, that, that people have said is, is that you were scared, that you weren't up for it. I'm scared. I'm a loser. I'm blah, blah, blah. And, and that's from coming from people who don't know, uh, who don't know anything about it. People who have never been in the arena. Right, and I and I and I and I let that I and that's my fault because I let that fester in me, um, and that's why that's why the the, the book itself is is was very uh, therapeutic um, writing it, and 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 it took you know it took failing at at at, at getting sober the first time it it took. Um, getting actually getting sober and then thinking about the life that I've had is, is you know it's 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 been a really good life and I just never really had the chance to enjoy it. Yeah, and until, now you now you're sober and you are. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I yeah, can. I can tell. When when, when you're in the, the World Series in '86 and you know everything unravels, you guys lose Game Seven. What what is that like for you to, to you, again like? You know, sober or not, dude, and this is not. This doesn't go for everybody. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think. First of all, you're 24, okay, when, when all of this happens, um, and you said that it kind of like you're such a true competitor. This thing, this thing haunted you. But I also see this as like an alcoholic. Like you said, all the insults stuck to you like Velcro. Oh yeah, yeah. That's it. Because it, you know, it, it, everywhere, every after that. Every game, every just walking to the bullpen, you're hearing stuff. Sitting in the bullpen, you're hearing stuff. On the road, you know, at home, even you know, you got the other fans, the other team's fans there. So you're hearing the same shit all the time, and and you're never really, you just hear it all the time. And then when, and then lucky for you, when you retire about ten years later, we get we get social media and and the and the internet. So there you go. And now yeah. now people are now people email you. Yeah, exactly. And that's you know that's the thing. I you know there's the quote that that I love Charlie Strong. What he said is the the social media is the downfall of society. I believe that because uh, I, 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 I mean, I have my cell phone. I don't have Facebook. I don't have any of that stuff because, you know, people ask me, like, what I, what, when we were talking about doing this book, we went to the, to the, uh, a, a publisher and they said, well, how many uh, followers do you have? And I said, I don't have, I have none. <laughs> and you I can almost say it with a little bit of pride. There are, of there are a lot of people in America who know, who know who I am. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they probably all hate me. But that's fine. But they do know they do know my name. When 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 eighty six happens, how does that affect your personal life after after that uh, after that series of events? That's when the drinking really got. Uh, that's when it, medicinal. Um, 
that was my uh, that was my go to all the time because I, I my my thinking was I you know I hated bringing work home I hated bringing the game home to my wife and 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 so in order to forget it was like I would drink heavily and that would allow me to get through to the next day um, and and you know because I I really didn't want and I know she. We we talked about this a lot with her. I talked a lot a lot. Is she just wanted to be a part of that, and I didn't want her to be a part of that. I was my. I didn't want her to to feel the way I was feeling. And so the alcohol builds up a wall between between oh, you and your wife and other people on the outside. Yes. And it, it it was it was a safety wall for me. And how does it like? First, of all, I want to ask too. What's it like in the locker room after Game Six? I mean, for a young man, and, and you're, you know, basically, Calvin, you gave up three base hits, okay? Um, yeah. Uh, but, but for a young, at the end of the day, you look at it from, you know, it, it gets this complete, you know, it's on steroids because it's the World Series and it's game six. But you're in that locker room, in that clubhouse. What is that like emotionally? Uh, it's very quiet. It's very, uh, it's, 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 it's the reverse of, what happened in game five of the ALCS. We know what, we knew exactly what California felt like. And so it's, you know, it's kind of eerie um, to be able to feel what those guys were feeling, you know, two weeks later, a week and a half later, we know exactly what they were feeling. And, you know, it's, it's okay, we're not going to let this, we're not going to let we're not going to let what happened to, to California happen to us. Well, yeah, it does. Yeah, it happened. So I'm, I'm back back to your life with your wife after after all this. So you you're you're drinking a lot. Um, and is did anything ever happen? Did you ever have any major consequences? No. Uh, the good Lord was watching out for me for some reason. Uh, I don't. I mean, I didn't have I didn't have any DWIs, no accidents. Um, he was watching over. What do you do? Yeah, you think he had, a, he had a plan? He did obviously. Did do you think it shortened your uh, your career at all? The drinking. Um, I don't know. I I I I don't think so because what happened. I mean, uh, everybody drinks, or not everybody, but most everybody drinks in baseball, and and it, they don't, you know don't, don't worry about the the consequences afterwards. Um, Especially back then. Got me out, right? And the thing that got you know, the thing that got me out was my my arm kind of gave out on me, and um, after I got after I got released, after I got released, uh, you play you play for the Mets. You go to the Cubs. You you go to the Padres, right? Yeah, Mets, Red Sox, Red Sox, Cubs, Padres. After I got released from the Padres, you know, I, I did I did the minor league thing um, one year, and I got called up to the Rangers the following year for like two weeks and then got sent down. And then I was, I, I wasn't, I didn't think I was done. And then, so I'm, I'm going to try, I'm trying to find a scout in, the, in 91, 91, 92. I'm trying to find a scout to, to come watch me throw. But I, you know, one day I throw, I throw the ball really well. And then the next day he comes and watches. It's like, I, I literally couldn't break 80 miles an hour. And, and, and my arm didn't hurt, but the ball just wasn't coming out of my arm, coming out of my hand. 
And I went, I don't know what the heck, heck's happening. Well, the next day, I couldn't lift my arm. And come to find out that, yeah, I had, uh, I tore my labrum some, somewhere, sometime. I just don't know when it happened, but uh, I had a torn labrum, and that was the end of it. Do you think that alcohol kind of killed that competitive spirit you talked about? It killed my competitive spirit for baseball. And you were- because I, 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 you know, growing up, baseball is a game, and 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 then at some point, sometimes through all through all the from eighty three to, to to ninety, it's like okay, it's not a it's not a game anymore. It's 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 a it's a business, and once I realized that, then then the the fire for it. Not that it went out, it just, it, it changed. And I don't know, I don't know, I, I mean, I, alcohol had a lot to do with it, I'm sure. Um, but it, I guess, I guess alcohol changed my personality, which changed that instant. Because as far as competitiveness goes, you know, with my team out here, when I was coaching, it would be like I would throw inter squad, and I'm trying to strike these kids out. Yeah, and you were so, were you coaching at Westlake? No, I'm coaching at a at a private school. Okay, in Austin. Okay, and, and I'm trying to I'm trying to strike these kids out because that's just the way I am. I, I you know I play them in basketball in the gym. I don't let them win. <laughs> They're not gonna not gonna beat me. So you still so got then, that you still got that fire. It was cool even watching you on the thirty for thirty. And one thing. And I, I know you did this before you got sober, but it really comes through now that you are. Dude, you don't say no to any of these, you know, if it's if it's of the right ilk, you know. You'll say yes to any of these interviews, whatever. And you're on the 30 for 30, you pop up, and you're just like, that was bullshit. I wasn't scared. You know, and it's uh, and you say right. with conviction, you could tell it's genuine, and you're always there. One of the things that I thought in your book that was super interesting was you said you missed – opportunities for like that catharsis you know in 2016 Kurt Menefee is writing a book about uh you know great losses or whatever and he comes to see you and 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 you know at this point in time in 2014 you'd already been brought to your knees by alcohol but you don't you're telling him your whole story and you don't bring it up no and you and, and that's a as an alcoholic right that's a huge part of you what is happening to you then that you still can't you you still can't let that part of your personality out there. Like like, okay, it's it's the same as 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 going ninety nine days. It's like okay, I went ninety nine days, so I'm not an alcoholic. And and so I I quit for ninety nine days. Yes, I am still. I'm drinking like a fish. Two weeks two weeks later, after I I broke my sobriety, so. I went, I can quit. I, it's like, I can quit anytime. And, and I'm not ready. Um, I, I'm not ready to do it. Um, this last time in, or, you know, when I did get finally get sober, it's like, I am done. I, I, and, you know, they talk about like, I, I don't know that, you know, the 10th step promises says it is that, that alcohol will just go away. The, the, the urge will go away. And it did. It, the urge never went away the first time. Well, you have to surrender to have it go away. Right. And and as a 
such a competitor and such a talented athlete and a guy who ascended to such lofty heights, is that hard for you to, to finally it, surrender? It, it, it's impossible or not, not impossible. It's, it, 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 it's super, it's super hard, but you get, it, it's a, you get to the point where you're so down. It's like, I got no other choice. Um, and that's, that's the learning experience and learning the second time around from, from the group is, is okay. I want what these guys have. How do I get it? I, I never had that. I never had that feeling the first time in. It's like, I, I, I need to have, I, I need what these guys have. How do I get it? And yeah, then you were all in. They, and those guys at that, the, those meetings, uh, they talk about you very fondly that, and you can tell right now from talking to you, you just put it right out there, dude. And that is the way for me, that's the way that I get well is there's no, you know, when I'm ready, there's no bullshit. Here it is. This is what's going on inside me. And uh, it's freeing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like, like a weight being off your shoulder. If you find, if you find the right guy that you can actually say that to, it's, it's such a relief. And, and for me, it's, it's, I don't want to let myself down, but I don't want to let these guys down by going out again. That's that's kind of the way I'm, I, I looked at it when I first started. Was if I come back into this room and and have gone out, uh, I'm going to be it's it's embarrassing. It's it's blah 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 blah, and you know I just didn't want that feeling. You know, uh, I wasn't I wasn't going to let them down. Well, I want to get back to, I got you for a little bit longer here. I'm, I'm, I, I could keep you all day and I've been selfish here because I've gone deep, way deep into the sports thing. But one thing that uh, you mentioned in the book is in 2014, you come home and your wife confronts you and and you you leave home. She confronts you about drinking and you leave and you drive down to the ranch, I guess you had in Kerrville, which is outside San Antonio for people that don't know Texas. And you're thinking about taking your own life. And the reason I bring that up is because being a, being a guy who just knows a little bit about sports history, I was always fascinated. You know, Donnie Moore, who gave up that home run, he took his own life. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what role drug played. I, you know, I don't know if you know, but like, you know, now you're, you're at the same intersection, dude. Um, and and, and what, what happens when you, when you don't take your life and you decide to, to turn it over and whether it's keep fighting or, or, or bring God in, what, what happens on, on those couple nights before you go back home? I'm driving and, um, I, and I hear a song on the radio and because the whole thing is, is, you know, I looked into my, my wife's eyes and saw the, the hurt and the, the disappointment um, again uh, for like the hundredth time. Um, and I left, I'm driving down the road and a song comes on and it was like, and the, the words were, what's this, what's the song? Uh, I, that's the thing. I can't find it. Okay. It's, it, but, but the, 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 the gist of the song is mama, what did he say to make you stay? It's like, it's, to me, it was, that was, that was, that was, that hit me really hard. What, did he say to make you say, cause I know she was going to leave. I knew that was going to leave. And so that gave me, that song kind of gave me a hope that I could say something or do something that would make her say. And so that, that curbed my, um, 
my intent of what that drive was about. And so then it was just, it was, it was just trying to figure, figure me out, um, for those, for the time that I was gone. And that was the, the, uh, that was my, um, that led to my first attempt at, um, sobriety. Which even and, though, even though we're not ready, cause I could compare myself to you cause I, compare myself in now, not out. Like I was the same way, but it's funny, even for me, even going around that first time, I, I heard so much stuff and I did see the light in, in these people's eyes. I was like, this shit's working for them. I was like, but you know, not for me. Uh, I think even those failed attempts, we can build on those. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Um, and you know where to go. I mean, for people listening to this right now, you know, to go to a meeting is huge. If you already have, or you're struggling because you know you know where the meeting is. You go there. It's like a door you break through. And now you don't want to go back out because you could get drunk and you could die. But you, once you go, you know where to go. Far away isn't far away anymore if you've been there, you know? Yeah, it, 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 like you said, it gives you a place to go. Like with, with my first attempt, I went I went to some place that I wasn't used to going to, um, that I wasn't comfortable at. Um, the second time... I went to a place that I was familiar with, with being a church because I was at that church for 20 some odd years. Yeah. And you know, that, 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 the, the fear, the fear wasn't AA. The fear was going to that church and being in an AA meeting and having somebody, um, <laughs> you know, see you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and, and, and sure enough, you know, I'm there for, I'm there for a little while and my fear comes to fruition. My wife, my wife's best friend's husband, was there one night when I was there for an AA meeting and he just looked at me and he goes, what are you doing here? I went, I just looked at him. And I said, I'm going to an AA meeting. He just looked at me and said, good for you. <laughs> and that was like, that was like, okay. I, I just got goosebumps when I, when I remember that happening. How has uh, it changed for you, Calvin? Like with going public quote unquote air quotes, you know, it's not like you've gotten going to, you know, go tell them on the mount. But now it's something you you were very open about, and you can help other people. Um, that's, by, that's the whole idea is is because you know, in AA, it's, it's service and and being of service, and that's what I'm hoping that I can do. If I can help one person, I've done my job. I, that, I mean, not that not that I don't want to help more, but one person will help another person will help another person. And it's like, you know, it's giving back. And, and that is the whole idea behind AA is helping one person get sober. And, you know, then you, then you go on from there. And, and I mean, the, the, the whole thing with this is, is helping people. What, what's, what are some of the things or the one major thing that you did along the ride, getting sober in recovery uh, that, that you're most proud of? Uh, being able to get up at that one meeting. Actually, the, the first meeting I led was because my, my sponsor made me lead a meeting one, one time, and I was, like, testified. Because I don't, I don't, I really don't like getting up in front of people. Um, I don't know if you saw me before the, the, the meeting you were at. I was, I was shaking. I was nervous. And, and now, I, I, you know, I can do this over the phone all day long. Two yeah. days, I'm, I, can, I, can, I can deal with it. Q and A's, but um, that that first meeting where I led the meeting, that was uh, that was pretty cool. I was I was petrified, but once once I got going on it, then 
because it, it's like the first time I actually really told kind of my story just because it's, you know, it's a short, it's a short introduction type thing. Um, but you know, that's when I started to open things, things started to open up and I started to feel a little more, um, with a little more with the group. Dude. And I, I had no idea by the way that you were an alcoholic and I went to a meeting the Sunday before you spoke and I'm talking to our man, Mark E. And at yeah. the well, at the end of the meeting, he you know he's he's selling everybody. So he goes, you know, next week Calvin S. And I'm thinking like, huh, I wonder if this Calvin S. guy must be pretty important. And it just so happened I was talking to Mark after the meeting, and he said, yeah, you're going to want to see this guy. He's a pro ball player. And for whatever reason, I had no clue about your history, but I knew you were a Texas guy. I'd heard you around Austin. I said, is it Calvin Chiraldi? He said, you'll have to see. <laughs> and lo and behold it was i mean that's and it's it was it's so cool to see you and and for you to come out and humanize that to say hey i get nervous to speak in public you pitched in the world series you're, you're a great major league player you know but it's it's still that's it's something that i'm not comfortable with i've never been i've never been that kind of person though it's still it's still uncomfortable but you know i i it's something that i i have to do do you find yourself like like the self esteem building, the more and more you do that? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I, I get a, it's all about comfort, and I'm and I'm getting more comfortable, um, especially writing. You know, writing that book. I I threw it all out there in, in the book, so I've got nothing else to hide. So you know, there it is. You either you, like it or you don't, or you know, you either like me or you don't. You talked about in in the book people emailing you a lot. Just I mean assholes, dude, emailing you oh, yeah. that can't let it go. And you say in the book a normal person would have let these emails go and just hit delete. And you, you were like drawn to them. Um, yeah. It's like that sick alcoholic mind. Like you you lived in that torture. Well, I still I still I got some not too long ago. Uh, the the same guy. It's a thirty for uh, watch thirty for thirty, and he sends me a list of, of emails, and I just I still have them. Fuck that guy, right? <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. But now, now it's now I laugh at it. Yeah, exactly. And I, now I'm laughing because I think this guy's a forty year old dude living with his living in his mom's basement, fat and and just all he does is sit on his computer. Well, and that's exactly probably what he is. I mean, if he's not exactly that, he's some version of that uh, mentally or emotionally. And, you know, nowadays, it, you, you, you there? Mikey, stick with me, all right? I'll call him right back. We'll, we'll wrap up soon. I don't know where I lost you. That's okay. You, well, no, you, I, pretty much... We were talking about you know that guy and and who that who that person is in general you know that 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 person that sends those emails. Uh, you you had it rough in a sense where mental health and not that you had mental health issues but we went through a rough time and and you know alcoholism and all that stuff. Nowadays everybody's coming out you know into the light. I mean if you know Simone Biles leaves the Olympics, everybody's like worried about her. You know, yeah. Um, it was my your era was a lot different. A lot different. Yeah, that that was that that didn't happen back then. That was that was uh, taboo to to think that that mentally you couldn't handle it. Yeah, or to talk to now, somebody about it. Like like now they got a sports therapist on speed dial. Oh yeah, they're, they're visiting them regularly. That that just wasn't the case back then. It was you know man up, handle your business. 
I'm going to let you go soon, but how, how, how has your life changed uh, getting sober and through sobriety? Like seeing you speak, you can just tell you got this energy coming off you. Your wife and you, I think your, your, was your son there or your daughter was there? My, my, my daughter and granddaughter, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and your wife, I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been awesome. It really has. Um, but what, what the, biggest, the biggest thing that I've noticed since being sober is I'm able to see I was always I was always I always had faith but what I've been able to see is is God working uh, in my life um, the, 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 the small things that he does just are just the little reminders that, that yeah I'm still here and I'm still watching you those kind of things are uh, you know when I'm drinking I I, I never saw them and now I'm able to see, to, 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 to realize, okay, you're still here. Um, you still love me, and I'm good with that. And, you know, that's all I need. What's your relationship like with your family now? Uh, it's, it's actually it's, it's pretty darn good. Uh, my wife and I are still working through some things, but, you know, it's, uh, with, with the kids, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I lost their respect when I was drinking and now, um, you know, I think they would both tell you that they're proud of me for, for doing what I've done, uh, getting sober and, 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 um, just like the personality change. Um, I'm more, I'm more engaged with, with them, um, with what they're doing and, and, you know, I'm proud of that. Yeah. I was in a meeting today. I went to a new meeting here and, uh, a, a woman who regularly comes to this meeting showed up with the guy and the, it's the guy's first day and he shares it's about his first day and drinking has been, you know, starting to ruin his life or has ruined his life. He always considered himself a functional alcoholic. And he said, for those of you who don't know, and he pointed to the woman next to him, he said, she's my ex-wife, but I've seen the change in her through this program so much that I've asked her what's up. And now here I am sitting with you guys. Cause I know I have a drinking problem. I just didn't know where to go. And that's what happens. It's probably what your kids seeing you now. Yeah. It, 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 you know, uh, and I just, you know, and, and I just want it to continue and it's going to continue. Well, and doing stuff like this, it'll continue. Here's the last thing I want to, I want to say, um, you talked about, you know, those getting those emails um, and a buddy of yours uh, on a hunting trip years ago talked about the man in the arena, um, yeah. the Theodore Roosevelt quote. And I just want to I want to read it really quick because it speaks to you putting yourself in the arena as an athlete. And also, I think it applies to AA. When you try to get sober, it's the arena. You know, you you win, you lose. Uh, but when you're outside of that and you can talk shit on anybody who's trying to get sober or say you don't have a problem, but the moment somebody puts a foot forward and tries to, I think they enter the arena. I'm just going to read it real quick. No doubt about it. Yeah, here's, here it is. The man in the arena. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or whether the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. Uh, the person who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of the high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls 
who neither know victory or defeat, Theodore Roosevelt. And, and that's kind of, you've been in the arena all your life and now you're back in it with sobriety. It's got to feel good. It feels awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a cold and timid souls that, that, that formed their opinion of me. Now it's, now it's them sitting on the side watching me be successful. And you're helping other people too. That's right. Dude, I can't thank you enough for your time. What What's going to happen is uh, we'll put this podcast up on Thursday, and then when your book comes out, we'll put it up again. Awesome. Um, and I'll see you around campus, brother. All right, man. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Calvin. Later. All right, man. See you. Thanks so much for listening to The Payoff with Pete. Once again, I'm Pete Souza, And, of course, we are part of the Rogue Media Network. All kinds of good podcasts you can find at roguemedianetwork.com. And, of course, you can find this podcast and all those other ones wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, other spots like that. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. Podcast.